Welcome to the fourth episode of our coverage of Star Trek Strange New Worlds and Legion of Superheroes Season 2. We are on Canny Tracks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing pretty well, Bob. Uh, once again, I've got to tell you that uh, the Legion of Superheroes episode had no chance in hell. No chance! So that's what you got! I mean, Matt, you're not like some people on Twitter who thought this was a dud episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Oh, my gosh. No, this is not a dud episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I I, I can't get past that. I, even their arguments are stupid. Like, I, I don't even acknowledge them at this point. Matt, it's a dud episode, and you get to learn the secret origin of Lightning Lad. I know you've always wanted to know. So when you're saying dud episode, Bob, you're referring to Stranger Worlds episode, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Not not Chained Lightning. Okay, making sure. No, no, no. Chain Lightning, Stone Cold Classic. I've always wanted to know the secret origin of Lightning (laughs) (laughs) So uh, if it's not obvious to the listeners, we're talking uh, episode four of Legion season two, Chain Lightning, originally aired on the 13th of October, 2007. Then we'll move on to the new episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds season two, episode four, Among the Lotus Eaters aired uh, on the 6th of July, 2023. Matt, do you want to walk the listeners through the very complicated, very deep, very exciting plot of Chain Lightning? Sure. So plot of Chain Lightning, both Lightning Lord and Lightning Lad are haunted by dreams of the loss of Lightning Lass to the Lightning Beast of Corbal, as Empirix tries to harness the power of the Lightning Storms of Corbal. Do you think I had you say lightning enough, or could I have been more creative and thought of a couple more ways to fit that word in there? So you made me say lightning one, two, three, four, five different times in a single sentence. So, yeah, so that's, that's a whole lot of lightning. Yeah, think of this as a form of speech therapy, Matt. Thanks, Bob. Oh, I don't know how I don't know how lightning is a speech impediment thing. How lightning, you get it's really hard to mess that up. There's no s's. I mean, I don't know. That's the 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 way you kind of go up and down on the on the t into the into the n. <laughs> you know, it's 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 rough. It's rough. All right, all right speech pathologist Bob. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> were you uh, excited to finally learn the origin of Lightning Lord and Lightning Lad, Matt? Weren't we introduced to the Lightning Beast in Fear Factory last season? You know, I'd forgotten that until you said that. But yeah, there were at least some, there were some flashbacks. Uh, I don't remember how explicit we saw the Lightning Beast or if I just mentioned the Lightning Beast to you. But yeah, yeah, there was there was some sort of flashback in that episode. Yeah, they hit, they hinted at what happened, but it was not like... You didn't know that his sister had vanished. You just kind of knew that they were involved with the lightning beast at some point, And that's how he got his powers. Yeah. And so this is like the origin, more or less, of Lightning Lord, Lightning Lad, and Lightning Lass in the comics. And it's one of the few iconic origins of the Legion. I Like most of the origin of the Legion people, like, I mean, a lot of them don't even really have origins because they just have their powers because of whatever species they're in, you know? Right. The ones that do like this one. And I think Ultra Boy is where he gets eaten by a space whale, uh, you know, because his name is Jonah. Get it? Oh, OK. Yeah. Jonah. Yeah. And the whale. Yeah. 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 Um, so those are the only two I think that are really iconic. There's there's no in no version I can remember. Does lightning last disappear? 
uh, or get, you know, absorbed in the storms or anything. That was an addition for this story. But in some ways, it's kind of a necessary addition because she usually doesn't show up in the continuity till well after Lightning Lad. And so I guess they did feel like they needed to explain the interval or explain the gap, as it were. But she shows up again, like in this series. I think she does. But honestly, I don't remember. I mean, she is she is like young enough that it would be maybe a little weird to have her in the Legion. So I, I really can't remember. Yeah, because she hasn't aged at all. Yeah. 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 Well, Bob, so, uh, the, li- the lightning beasts are pretty cool. I got to gotta admit that it is something I totally would want to like fight in a video game. Like, that seems like a boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be a boss. If, you know, you could you could like have a level where lightning lord is the boss and he's like commanding a few lightning beasts to send at you. There you go. You got to take out Lightning Lord before you can damage the beast. I like it, Bob. <laughs> I uh, I also want to say, Matt, uh, just as a disclaimer, really, uh, really not enjoying Brainiac 5 this season. Really not in enjoying him uh, disrespecting the awesome shrinking Violet that made me upset. Oh, that's her name. OK, I kept looking at her and cannot for the life of me remember what her name was, even though she has that uh, fucking Violet on her head. I'm kind of on Brainy's side here, Bob. So, so disrespectful. So disrespectful. I really just am. Because, I, I, I couldn't remember who she was. <laughs> <I'm right>. just, <laughs> just because Ant-Man uh, 3 was one of the worst movies ever made doesn't mean that all shrinking heroes are bad, Matt. So, Matt, did you have the thought which I had during this, which is that one flashback is fine, but two is excessive? Yeah, what they need here is like a previously on Legion of Superheroes. Well, I don't really think they do. And I guess they do want to show like both Lightning Lord and Lightning Lad being tormented by the memory. But maybe they could like show them like both waking up at the same time from the same dream, something like that. Yeah, but then they'd have to write in like 30 more seconds of plot. No, like you. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Ha <laughs> Groan, groan. Well, Matt, one thing they could uh, do to fill those 30 seconds is I do really like the idea that Superboy X, you know, the most distant, unemotional guy on the team, keeps getting unwillingly confronted with the emotions of everyone else. That seems like a good gimmick for like an on- ongoing subplot, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's he's so kind of just to himself and a dick. So but everybody wants to share their emotions with him. I would really like to see Nicolas Cage as like an adult Superman X in the Gunverse. Make that happen. Huh. I mean, after how bad the Flash did, do you even think there's going to be a Gunverse? Oh, yeah, there'll be a Gunverse. Yeah, probably there will be. But man, the Flash did really badly, which makes me happy. Yeah, then Blue Beetle is just up to get shot down. I'm sorry, but that movie's going to get killed. I feel like I haven't even seen trailers for it. Yeah, they haven't put anything out. Like they've just been putting out like basic shit. They really shouldn't have announced the Gunverse till after Aquaman. I don't know. I guess I guess they had to go ahead and like get stuff together. Isn't it supposed to be out this month? August. Oh, okay. I was wrong. Next month. Next month. Uh, July in my mind for some reason. So Matt, I will say that Lightning Lad does famously lose his uh, arm in the comics too. Although it's much cooler in the comics because he's fighting the space Moby Dick, which is awesome. But I, you do have to give it to the cartoon that his uh, his replacement arm, his metal arm, his robot arm, it's much more extreme in the cartoon. You got to give it to them. Yeah, he's got like this really bulky rocket shooting arm thing that like changes. He basically has Blue Beetle's arm. 
yeah, you, you get the feeling that he's so excited about it, he'd be willing to cut off his other arm to get another one. Oh, yeah. But it's so much more extreme than when uh, Arsenal lost his arm in Young Justice. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal's is very, his robot arm is like very skinny as befits him, I feel like. Yeah, it looks like it just like shoot like crossbow darts and stuff. This one, this dude's, I'm telling you, Lightning Lad's got like X-Force level gun type arm going on here. Yeah, it's a cable arm. It's a cable yeah. arm. Cable arm. That's a good way to describe it. Cable arm. This this is a comic book trope, Bob. Though, like that happens a lot. Like they, well, they what, want to. What's the this? The losing the arm or getting, yeah, losing getting... losing an appendage. Just like that's how they try to up the ante. They just make somebody lose their appendage. Batman's recently lost his hand. Alfred lost his hand at one point. One of the Ninja Turtles lost their hand. I can't remember. I think it was Leonardo. But I'm just I'm just gonna say, Matt, you got to give it to uh, Lightning Lad and the Legion because he lost his arm in the '60s. That's true. So it dates back to him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He he was he was the original. So, Matt, is it just me or uh, is Imperiax a whole lot quippier this week? He does seem way more quippier this week. I did not recognize the voice actor, though. There was like a slight familiarity, but I didn't know who that was. It's uh, the guy's name is Phil Morris. It's the guy who was uh, Jackie Childs on Seinfeld is the voice of is the voice of Imperiax. He's the Johnny Cochran uh, stand in if you're if you don't. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Jackie. Yeah, he's in like a commercial for Doritos or something. No. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Funny to realize he was the voice of Imperiax and also just kind of funny to have that kind of shift to a much more quippy. Imperiax. Yeah. <laughs> Who was your uh, favorite non-Superboy Legionnaire of the week? Just going to give it to this extreme lightning lad, Bob, and his brand new gun arm. Can, can, I make a, can I make a suggestion, Matt? Sure. What if instead of saying lightning lad, what if we say lightning lad's robot arm? Yeah, we could do that. I give it to his arm. <laughs> He's a little, that's a little more interesting than lightning lad. Yeah, yeah. No, clearly, clearly. That's the most interesting part about him. It's the only part Saturn Girl likes, too. All right. So for my favorite uh, non-Superboy Legionnaire of the Week, I'm going to I'm going to defy Matt and Brainiac. I'm going to go with Shrinking Violet. All right. Vaguely remember her in the episode. Yes, she was there. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about the Strange New Worlds plot, Bob. Strange New Worlds among the Lotus Eater. Lotus Eaters. Yes. It among the Lotus Eaters. Yes. The Enterprise returns to Rigel 7, the planet where they had a disastrous away mission right before the very first Star Trek episode, and the away team and crew were both afflicted by memory loss caused by the planet's radiation. So, Matt, what do you think about uh, Captain Pike's breakup game with Captain Battelle? I mean, she, she had just given him a present. He cooked her dinner. You know, that was a good setup there. She knows that her career's taken a blow because she gets the call from the Admiral, but she still wants to continue being with Pike. But then Pike turns it around and is like, no, 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 it's me. I'm the reason you can't you can't uh, grow in your career. You need to dump me. Like, he's trying to, like, put the blame on himself, even though, I don't, I don't know, he really just doesn't want the uh, responsibility. Oh, I mean, in fairness, it does seem pretty obvious that it actually is because of him that <laughs> she's not. Oh, yeah, it's very obvious it's because of him. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You, but it's just he he doesn't want the responsibility of being in a relationship. He doesn't want responsibility of like making her not able to grow as a kid to a, a Commodore. I, I thought his breakup game was really smooth. He made himself look like the good guy. He made it difficult for her to articulate any problem with him. And, uh, you know, she leaves on the one hand knowing that he's a good guy on the other hand, really furious at him, which that's, I don't know. I just, I, I admired Pike's breakup game. I thought it was good. I thought yeah, it was really it was good. pretty good, but he, he's just, 
I, I don't know about this whole relationship with, with this character, Bob. I, I don't know if it's going to last. I feel like something's going to happen to her. I mean, it is sort of interesting. It's like almost like in this episode, they're working overtime to explain the fact that we didn't really see anything. We didn't see evidence of any relationship other than like they're friends with benefits before this. Right. Which I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's kind of interesting to see this as like a model of like, oh, two super busy professionals. This is how they this is how they date. But I don't know. It, it wasn't him continuing to date her after she prosecutes number one. I does feel a little wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, after the trial, you figure they wouldn't be together anymore. But yeah, this just solidified the relationship. And now I have a feeling she's going to like blow up on. A, she's going to her starship's going to blow up at some point. I, I don't think the show would do that because I think that would be too hacky. He's going to watch it blow up. (laughs) I I think that would be too hacky. I I think they might have. I think they might go uh, another direction to like create conflict between him and her and maybe make her kind of play like the role of the admiral. Maybe. Oh, that's a good idea. But I, yeah, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe the Cuyahoga is not long for this world. Yeah, I think the, 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 the Cuyahoga is just going to explode one day. He's going to be like, no, and then he's going to take revenge on whoever blew it up. That's going to be like a whole two part episode. So, Matt, at work, do you ever find yourself in a similar position to Ortegas where you're really enthusiastic for the job in contrast with everyone else like Pike, Mabinga, Nuni and Singh and Spock? Yeah, I was really like upset that Ortegas didn't get to beam down. Like she was so excited. She even had like the hat because she had done some research on what these people really look like. She really is excited about being part of Starfleet and doing those away team things. You just wanted to let her do it. Damn. My thing with Mbinga, though, is like, when did he become like, like we talked about in the other episode, I thought he was going down there because he takes a super soldier serum and he was going to do that again. Well, no, they they sort of establish in the premiere that like he was at a bad point. He was at a bad front on the Klingon war. And so he's pretty experienced, I think, with combat, more experienced than he would like to be. Yeah, I just don't want to turn it into him to him into like this, like Dr. Worf character where he's always like fighting and not doing the doctor stuff. Well, I mean, at least they're still they're still having him angst about it, you know? Yeah, there's some angst. He does complain about it because he doesn't want to have to go down there and like fight people. Yeah, yeah. So I don't blame him. So, man, I mean, you're, you're a doctor. <laughs> so at first I was sad that uh, the Enterprise was returning to Rigel 7 because do you remember that late 90s Marvel Star Trek comic Early Voyages? I went and looked it up last night and read like the first issue and shot myself in the head. So, <laughs> Oh, you hated it that much? It was not that. It was just kind of weird. I, I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea. Well, I really I really like that series. Um, I, I read some of it. Back when it was coming out and then I read and they have an omnibus collection. I think it only ran for like 17 issues. Um, There's like an omnibus collection of it. I read maybe five, five years ago, eight years ago. Uh, But yeah, for people who don't know, it's a late 90s Marvel series, you know, telling the adventures of Pike and Spock at all. And they do a whole issue uh, about like the loss of the yeoman on Rigel seven. And it's a really good issue. I was kind of sad to see it erased, but honestly uh, when the yeoman who's now Zach, Wynn, he's an Irish guy in the early voyages comic, but now when Zach, Wynn shows up and makes himself King of Rigel seven, honestly, that is cooler than what the nineties comic did. Yeah. I, I, the, for those who were interested in looking at it, it's called uh, star Trek, the early, early voyages. voyages. 
Yeah. yeah, I already said that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's a. It's written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, whom I really like. Who did? Who created the team that would become the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, and also did a really good run on the Legion um, in the, I guess, the mid aughts, early aughts. I just, I just was not impressed with the first issue. Maybe I should try to read a couple more. I don't think it's like a transcendent series. It's just I, I liked it. I'm fond of it. It filled it's in. It's not canon. Oh, no, no, Star Trek side products are always non-canon, man. It's so non-canon. But like Star Trek is not Star Wars. Everything is non-canon in Star Trek. It's that's like that's not meaningful. It's it's so non-canon. You know, Bob. I that, just stupid don't like John, it. that stupid John Hickman comic. Sorry, that stupid John Hickman imitation comic you had me read. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that, Bob. You're good. Like they, it's all it, it, it's everything is non-canon in Star Trek. It's not it's not a meaningful distinction. So is it, maybe that's what makes Star Trek so much cooler than Star Wars for some people. Is it's they're more purist about just being the movies and the TV shows as opposed to the video games and the comics and the novels and the toys. Oh, yeah, the that makes sense. Yeah, because you have to keep up with so much. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is kind of confusing. It is kind of confusing. Certainly, I, I do have to say, man, that uh, them having like a whole episode about a caste system that's built on social amnesia. It's a very cool, very original series style idea. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like we were saying earlier, like this this episode really checked all the boxes for the original series episodes. You had an away team led by the captain. You check. You got bad guys, a former Starfleet officer who rules a group of locals in a castle. Check. Captain solves the problem with his fist. Check. I mean, it's, it's, it's old school Star Trek, Bob. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great. They, you got to love the castle. You got to love the fist fights. And I, I just don't get how people cannot enjoy this. Like, I just don't get it. Yeah, surprisingly, a lot of people are saying this is the weakest episode of the season so far, which isn't really a bad thing. We've had some really strong episodes, but it's also not a bad episode by any means. I would I would still say, I think, in some ways, the premiere is the weakest episode. But I had there were a few things in the premiere that I didn't quite love. Uh, so that that, yeah, I, I guess I stand out a little in that respect. We do get to see druggy who are after chapel and Jexer with something which was pretty funny. And Ortegas is like, I'll take her to Midbay. Anything to get off that bridge, bro. Anything yeah. to get off that bridge. Yeah, she's always up on the bridge. She's supposed to get out, stretch her legs. We also have a, a great moment of basically Spock is just reduced to repeating on the bridge. Emotions are not facts, which, you know, I think that's a good lesson for all of us Americans. We should all listen to that. That should be like our mantra. You, sh- you should uh, make your students recite it three times at the beginning yeah. of the class. <laughs> <laughs> so... I do appreciate Strange New Worlds only using characters when they need to. But I, I do have to say, I, I like this episode very well as as is. And I, I get that they maybe didn't feel like they had room for more stuff. But it would have been really interesting to see how Pelia dealt with the loss of all of her, you know, centuries, if not millennia of memories. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Like, how did they miss that opportunity? That's that's weird. Because that's a really good idea. It just it just seems like it would be right there. <laughs> so, Matt, did you have any complaints about them violating the prime directive in uh, getting rid of the meteor that was causing the space amnesia? I mean, whatever. It just fit in more with the original series style of things, the way they do it. So, I mean, this is one of those where it's like, hey, I'm, I, I, I don't really think I support the prime directive, but. Even if I did, I, it feels seems obvious to me that this doesn't fall under the prime directive. It's something that you can 
remove easily that is you know in no sense could be argued to be like the natural course of their development right they moved the meteor out of the way or the asteroid or whatever it was they moved, they moved the giant rock that was causing everybody to have amnesia if the people on the on the planet aren't able to observe them moving it then I guess it doesn't really impact the prime directive. And especially since uh, when already, you know, went and set up a Starfleet dictatorship in the. Yeah, I mean, the they've already they've already screwed up like royally. So. <laughs> so, Matt, you so to return to where we began, you were sad where uh, Pike and Battelle reunited. Yeah, I mean, I was annoyed, but I guess Pike does need a love interest. I mean, he's just got to have somebody. And I guess in fairness, Patel doesn't officially say they're dating. She basically just says she wants to hook up and see where it goes. Yeah, I get like this reminds me of Sinclair at the beginning of Babylon 5, like that kind of relationship <laughs> when he has her the reporter. <laughs> All right, Matt, who was your character of the week for Among the Lotus Eaters? My character of the week, Bob, goes to Pike, and that is for parting his hair on the opposite direction to blend in when he uh, beams down to the planet. So original series, Matt. So original series. It really is. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with Wynn. He was fun. I liked a couple of his lines. Like, you know, he tells Pike kind of exasperatedly, it figures you'd start a revolution. And then later he's making fun of him for believing that lame totem story. Both of those were pretty good. He was a good villain. Um, We don't ever have to see him again. Uh, you know, the Cuyahoga is shipping him off to prison. But, you know, he wouldn't be a bad antagonist if he does show up again. I could get down with that. He's, he's interesting. Uh, but Bob, that goes episode of the week. Obviously goes to Among the Lotus Eaters. Matt, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. But I also have to agree. He goes to <laughs> Among the Lotus Eaters. All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of uh, Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We'll be back hopefully next week with episode five. We are a part of Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.